Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. On this week's Highways Voices, we're looking for your help. Well, we'd love people to help us out. That's that's the starting point. And we know you have readers right across the country. And we have a full list of sites on our website. The Reese Jeffries Road Fund has contributed to dozens of roadside rest stops across England, Scotland and Wales, but now need to check exactly where they are and what sort of repair they're in. And they're asking you to help out. Don't lay by about. Find out how you can get involved on this week's Highways Voices. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations Elkrig, Adept, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. The chairman of the Reese Jeffries Road Fund is on his way on this week's Highways Voices to tell you more about the fund and appeal to you. But before we hear from him, let's hear from Adrian Tatum with his take on the biggest stories we've run on Highways News. Connect Plus, which manages and upgrades the M25 network, is looking for contractors to join a framework agreement for its portfolio of highway improvement works. The £150 million framework agreement for improvement works on the M25 will involve civil engineering and technical works, which will be instructed by National Highways. The works will cover structures, geotechnical junction improvements, roadside technology, environmental works. In some instances, Improvements works might be combined with road infrastructure renewal works. Elsewhere, Watford Borough Council's Cabinet has approved the strategy for a 20-year programme to help transform how people travel to, from and around the town, with planned activities taking place over the next two years to start fulfilling the proposals to make it easier for people to walk, cycle and use public transport. And Leeds City Council is preparing a fundamental change to its approach to tackling road danger, The draft leads Safer Roads Vision Zero 2040 strategy sets out ambitious plans to transform road safety and public consultation has started this week. Vision Zero is a groundbreaking approach to reducing road danger based on the ethical position that nobody should die or suffer serious injury when walking, cycling, riding or driving on its roads. On top of those, you can read about Grid Smarter City's dynamic curbside management, why driverless trains are on the agenda again in London, problems for connected vehicles in America thanks to the 3G switch-off, and an optic spot speed camera catches nearly 700 people in its first week. You can read all of these, plus so many more stories on highways-news.com. Remember to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn, details are in the blurb, and sign up for our daily email into your inbox every lunchtime. Swarco improves quality of life by making the travel experience safer, quicker, more convenient and environmentally sound. From software-as-a-service traffic management solutions to parking, VMS, EV charging and road marking too, find out how Swarco can deliver more efficient and safer traffic management. Swarco, the better way every day. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. So let's welcome this week's Highways Voice. David Tarrant, chairman of the Rhys Jeffries Road Fund, with a plea for our help this week with a new project. You'll find out all about that in our chat, but we started by finding out more about who William Rhys Jeffries actually was. William Rhys Jeffries really was a remarkable man. He was um, born uh, in the Victorian era and he was actually a really keen cyclist and he got to be absolutely fed up with the state of repair of the roads. It made his cycling really difficult and so he set about trying A, to improve the standard of the roads 
uh, and he also then set about making sure that they were tarmacked, if you like. From there, he then moved on, became a man of influence in the road sector, and effectively became the head civil servant in what was then the Ministry of Transport responsible for roads. He obviously had a huge passion for the whole question of roads and their importance to all users. And when he uh, died, he left a legacy. And that legacy we're using today, the investment from the legacy, to fund all sorts uh, of different things, which I can obviously talk about. But that's really where he came from, that passion for roads, uh, their importance for all road users, and he sought about to influence that. It's his 150th birthday, and you've got the £150,000 grants. We've been reporting on that on Highways News about the applicants to receive this funding. Tell me about how exciting it's been to read and hear about the different ideas for Roads of the Future? Well, we set about setting up a competition to celebrate his 150th birthday. And we specifically wanted to set it as wide as possible to try and capture as many good ideas as we possibly could. And I have to say, we've been staggered at the results of that. So we've had some tremendous ideas come through from wide ranges of people, not just the normal people, if you like, but uh, coming in from schools and other sectors, all of whom have, if you like, a stake in the roads and want to see how our highways can be improved. So the judges have had, in the, in the usual words, they've had a very difficult task in looking at all the entries to decide uh, which are the best ones. But we've certainly been really impressed with people's thinking. We've also been impressed by how they've presented them. It's not usual, just dry presentations, but uh, really thinking through how they can best get across their ideas. And I think one of the best things I've seen was uh, when one of the uh, school's winners was announced, uh, they were videoing it, and to see the uh, children leaping up and down, knowing that they won, I think brought a tear to many uh, a judge's eye seeing that. Yeah, very much the, the school side of things, encouraging the next generation of uh, engineers um, and highways professionals is part of the legacy, I suppose, of William Reese Jeffries himself. Um, fantastic to get so much interest. You're actually really kindling an enthusiasm. Very much so, because I think it's personal, isn't it? We all use, no matter what sort of mode you're in, be it walking, cycling, in a car, on a bus, you're all using uh, the road and the impact of the road is also felt by us all. So I think it really became very personal to those school children, especially with their uh, trips to and from school. I think it's that personal angle that really hits home to people. And that came through in all of the, uh, all of the presentations. As I say, it was a tough job finding the ones that were going to be the ultimate winners. Now, I've been chatting to our mutual friend, Andy Graham, who's a fellow trustee of yours at the Reese Jeffries Road <laughs> Fund and a good friend to Highways News. And um, Andy was telling me that it's not just William Reese Jeffries' legacy as far as the roads are concerned, but actually just making travel a more pleasurable experience. And you've come across rest areas. Tell me about this, this rest area project that you're working on. Okay, perhaps I should also say a big thank you to Andy for the original idea for the competition, which went down extremely well and was uh, immediately grasped 
by the rest of the trustees. But Andy's also got, along with uh, the trustees, a passion for the roadside rest areas. Now, these were areas within the objects of the fund to set up areas on the highway, adjacent to the highway, which would really enhance the attractiveness of the highway and travel. Very often they were set up with marvellous views associated with them. So to enjoy your travel, you could pull off, have a proper rest, not just in some lay-by with all the traffic thundering by you, but a proper rest with some marvellous views and maybe a picnic area and so on. And so the fund uh, did actually set these up. And the first one was set up in about 1958, there were a couple in 1958. In fact, one was Hanger Hill at Rygate in Surrey, the other is Chesil Bank in, uh, in Dorset. A lot were then set up in the 60s and 70s, and the last ones were in about 2001, and I think that was uh, Haggerston Castle picnic site in Northumberland, just off the A1. The position we're now in is that we've literally and this is due to a record keeping, literally we've just got a list of these sites and we know very little about them. That seems to be a great tragedy because we believe that some are going to be in good condition, some perhaps are going to be overgrown and not used, and we'd really just like to understand, are there 72, which is on our list, or are there in fact more of them that we just don't know about? Secondly, can we say specifically where they are? Because at the moment, again, we just have maybe a, a length of road in a county, and that's it. And we really just like to get to grips with what is out there and encourage people to let us know any information at all they have about perhaps their favourite site. And perhaps also just to say that we believe that they exist in England, Wales and Scotland. We don't believe there are any in Northern Ireland. But if there are, we'd love to hear about them. Yeah, I wonder who actually maintains them. Is that something that they were they were set up, they were funded by the Reese Jeffries Road Fund and then taken over, for example, by the road operator, whether it's the county council or what's now National Highways, or whether somewhere or other there was an expectation that the Reese Jeffries Road Fund would continue to, to maintain them as well? Because um, I guess there could well be people turning up and actually looking after these places without realising where they came from, in effect. Well, you're absolutely right. And the plain fact of the matter is we don't know, other than I think it's pretty clear that we would have given an initial capital grant to set the roadside rest area up, but would not have then been involved in its subsequent maintenance. And I think therein lies an issue. I know that there is one local to near where I live, and uh, that's run by the County Council's Countryside Department. And that may be replicated uh, across the country. Interestingly, a lot of the sites have a plaque on them saying it's a roadside rest area funded by Reese Jeffries. The one that uh, I visited recently had no such plaque at all. Uh, now, whether it's ever existed or it uh, has been taken away, again, we simply don't know. So there's a, there's a lot 
we can actually learn from these. And just trying to put together that basic information, we may then start to talk with uh, interested parties and the, the owners about the future of those particular sites. You're listening to Highways Voices with David Tarrant from the Rees Jeffries Road Fund. We'll find out more about how we can help in a moment. But first, let's hear the latest news from our partners with Lucy. Highways Voices, with the latest news and events from our partner organisations, ITS UK, Elkrig, Adept, and the Transport Technology Forum. Registration is opening for the Transport Technology Forum Conference at the Marriott Hotel in Liverpool from the 17th to the 19th of May. The event starts with networking on the 17th before a series of working groups on the 18th ahead of the first plenary session in the afternoon. On Thursday the 19th, national government will speak about transport strategy before suppliers and then local government give their responses. There'll also be plenty of networking opportunities plus an exhibition. You can register your interest via the TTF website and more details will be available in the coming days and weeks. Talking of a conference, how about an unconference? ITS UK is hosting an unconference event taking place on the 23rd of June. The unconference is an innovative, open event where the agenda is not fixed or planned beforehand, but rather decided on the day itself by the attendees present. Therefore, anyone is welcome to pitch an idea to the audience for wider discussion. More details will follow, but if you work for an ITS UK member organisation and would like to host this unique event, then get in touch with ITS UK to explore ideas and arrangements. We'll post contact details and also the sign-up page. We all know decarbonisation is one of the biggest challenges facing local highways authorities. That's why ADEPT and the Future Highways Research Group will be publishing guidance on scope 1 and 2 greenhouse gas emissions free to the sector. The guidance will provide a framework and toolkit for consistent carbon reporting and measurement that will enable LHAs to benchmark against other authorities. The research and development behind the project was led by Proving Services and sponsored by Ringway and Atkins. Publication is due in early March and work is moving on to provide similar guidance to tackle GHG Scope 3. And the Head of Innovation at National Highways and Executive Producer for Place at West Berkshire Council will form part of the panel at Elkrig's forthcoming event, Practical Steps on the Journey to Net Zero, Understanding the Challenge. Annette Pass and Susan Halliwell will be joined by David Ogden, Operations Director at Colas, for the webinar which is taking place on the 22nd of March at 11am. In other news, the project has finalised the agenda for its inaugural Project AMBER workshop. The Project AMBER framework enables local authorities to access innovative solutions that the SME market has to offer. Elkrig has received many requests from individuals within councils nationwide for further information about the Project AMBER framework. It has responded by organising the Project Amber Collaboration Workshop, which will take place on the 31st of March at the Grand Hotel in Blackpool. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. Now, back to our chat with David Tarrant of the Reese Jeffries Road Fund and how we can help him find all those rest stops. Well, we'd love people to help us out. That's, a, that's the starting point. And we know you have readers right across the country and we have a full list of the sites uh, on our website, and uh, I know some people have uh, likened it to uh, Munro bagging for those people that like uh, doing such things in Scotland to see how many they can actually find. But even if you're out on your travels, know that there is a site in the locality and can just pop in, take a photograph, put its actual location, see if you could find uh, a plaque that's there. Um, but if not, then just send it into uh, Rhys Jeffries Road Fund. Then we can really start to build up a proper library of what exists out there. I think it will then be for the trustees to determine quite how we move forward on from there. But as a starting point, to have over 70 sites across the country 
by their very nature, they were going to be in some marvellous locations. Just to be able to put that log together, I think would be really great. So any help people can provide with any information would be gratefully received. I have a friend who was the Guinness world record holder for going around all the tube stations on the London Underground Network in the quickest time. And he actually crowdfunded to go to every single railway station in the country as part of a project that and it ended up writing a book about it as well. I wonder if that's something we can do. We can get uh, a challenge. Who can be the first person to go to all 72 of the sites? I tell you, that sounds brilliant. Uh, and if um, anybody could do it, I think that would be uh, a, a brilliant achievement. And I think that very example just opens up the fact that we are open to all ideas and suggestions as to how we can make this happen. Because obviously a lot of investment's gone in over the years into these, and it would be a shame if that were lost. So really, really pleased to hear any such ideas come through. Okay, so when people go there, obviously what you want is to make sure that they actually get the information that you want because there'll be nothing worse than somebody going, oh, yes, I went there, and then they take a nice picture, but there's nothing else. So so do you want a lat long, a grid reference, or what three words uh, references to exactly where it is? How how do you want to actually get the information from people who are going to join in in the the great rest area tour? This is a balance, actually, in that um, what we don't want to have people have to do is to to spend uh, a long long time filling in a big form or whatever but there's clearly some basic information which would be really helpful and it may then be of course that we can follow up so firstly confirming that the, there still is a roadside rest at the location that's number one whether it's still possible to park there can you confirm that the description on the list we've got is actually accurate is the correct road noted because it may be of course that that road has now been bypassed or or whatever have we got the GPS coordinates? You can even use what three words or a postcode to try and find the, the location. few words on what the current condition is like. Is it tidy, well-maintained, totally overgrown? Is there a Reese Jeffries plaque there? And what sort of condition is that in? And then a photograph or two from a number of different viewpoints showing the roadside rest area itself. So I think if we can capture all if not most of those, then we really are well on the way to uh, to get the proper log of what's out there. We will now rouse the uh, Highways News Readers, Highways Voices podcast listeners, and let's all get together and tick off that, uh, that list. The link to the uh, 72 sites that's on the Reese Jeffries Road Fund website uh, we'll put in the blurb to this podcast so you'll be able to find it when uh, when you read all about uh, today's podcast so it'll be in there and you can look for ones close to where you live and uh, and we can start from there and uh, and start to tick them off and I take it you'll have a, a running sort of um, score of which ones of you've got more details on on the website that's going to be maintained. Very much so. Um, The website uh, is constantly kept up to date and uh, this will be one of the main things we're doing during this year. So uh, yeah, any information we get will uh, immediately be put uh, on the website. So Reese Jeffries Road Fund, basically, we've talked about rest areas, we've talked Mm. about 
new innovations, new ideas for the future. I know that there was uh, some funding from Reese Jeffries Road Fund to the London to Brighton Veteran Car Run that Andy ran that I helped with and did a report from last year when we had connected vehicles that were 120 years old travelling from London to Brighton with uh, with live updates and uh, in-vehicle messaging, etc. So a vast number of different things that Reese Jeffries Road Fund funds. Um, I guess, how would you sum it up? Um, you fund things that other people can't or won't? I think that's a very good way of putting it. I think we're looking to fund things that will have an impact, that are obviously connected with the highway in one form or another, and which others may not fund. And there are lots of ideas or lots of studies out there. We also fund education by supporting people to do their master's degrees in a transport-related topic, as well as things on the highway physical works on the highway might be to do with planting, et cetera, et cetera. So a range of things that people can find difficult to get funded elsewhere and something that Rhys Jeffries will take a great interest in, in helping the overall highway sector. And I think looking at the design and attractiveness of our highways is a key priority for us over the coming years. David Tarrant from the Reese Jeffries Road Fund there and all the links you need are in the blurb. So time is almost up, but before we go, we've still got time for... Adrian's accolade. Adrian, who wins this week? Uh, my accolade this week goes to the transport team and Milton Keynes Council for taking the transport app development to the next level. On their new app, passengers will be able to check how far away a vehicle is and how many seats are available in real time and easily plan, book and pay for transport with a single transaction. The app has been made possible due to Milton Keynes Council developing a reliable local 5G service, which recently made headlines when the trial of 5G power drivers vehicles began at the city stadium MK. Worthy winners of my accolade this week. And you can find all of the news on highwaysnews.com. So well done to Milton Keynes, winners of Adrian's Accolade. And that's it for today's podcast. Thanks for taking the time to join me for it. And we'll join you again next week. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 